Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Eve Epstein. Eve is the CEO and co-founder of Soul Venture. Soul Venture is a single solution that automates business setup and compliance, benefits enrollment, tax estimization, and invoicing for new freelancers. Eve practiced labor and employment law at the U.S. Department of Labor and the National Treasury Employees Union in Washington, D.C., and served as in-house counsel in one of the largest privately held professional employer organizations. From her years of practicing labor and employment law, she saw that the workforce changed. By 2028, more than half of the U.S. workforce will be freelancing. She started Soul Venture to offer self-employed workers the financial security and benefits of traditional employment. In this conversation, Eve and I are talking about how you can grow your business by leveraging a team of solopreneurs instead of having to hire employees. Because while employees are great for some businesses, they might not be right for you and your business model. So how can you continue to grow without employees? And how can you do so with a team of other business owners that have your back and are helping you achieve success? So let's jump into the conversation with Eve. Hi, Eve. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can you kick us off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah. Um, So my name is Eve Epstein. I am the CEO and co-founder of Soul Venture. We're an all-in-one back office platform for freelancers. So we handle and automate incorporation, benefits enrollment, invoicing, and quarterly tax estimation. I spent about 10 years practicing labor and employment law and really started to specialize more and more on issues affecting independent contractors. So that was really the impetus for me founding my company. Yeah. And it's such an important topic because many of us as business owners, especially in this audience, we're we're those smaller businesses. Like we're operating as independent contractors when we're working with our clients or we're building our teams full of independent contractors instead of having employees, whether it's that's how we're starting or building that into the long-term vision of our business. So having the support for independent contractors, freelancers, really understanding what that means and not being forgotten in the business world when it comes to business structure, business support is so important. I think that's exactly right. You know, freelancers are just inherently um, a community. They network, they collaborate together. And I think, you know, 
for a long time, all of the structures were around traditional employment. And that's changed. And especially for small businesses, when you have a core uh, type of service that you provide, working with other freelancers who have expertise in areas that are just outside of your domain. I mean, that's, that's how you make that work. That's how you thrive. Right. Yeah. And it's been, I think this, the shift of perspective and it might be the way that it's always been, but I feel like now it's getting more and more is people are really making a living off of freelancing. And, you know, sometimes you think, and I think this is where things go wrong and the bigger sense of business thought and business expertise, it's kind of like people view freelancers as this, okay, this person doing this little side hustle, making a few dollars here or there while they're still working this corporate job. And yes, there's freelancers like that, but there's this whole community of freelancers as really stood out to people during the pandemic that they're making a full time living off of freelancing income and freelancing jobs that they're building businesses around this. It's not just a side hustle job here, job there type thing. Right. Uh, I mean, freelancer, I think part of the problem is it's almost a misnomer. Like no one knows how to define them. Like, are we talking about gig workers? Are we talking about independent workers, freelancers? I think the majority consider themselves self-employed which is what a small business owner also thinks of themselves as. And that's right that for those that are doing it full time, the medium income is around $70,000 a year. So it's a sustainable career for a lot of folks. In fact, you know, within the next couple of years, it's going to be more than half the U.S. workforce. Wow. Wow. That is, that's a great statistic. And which always goes to say as small businesses, you're most likely going to be working with other small businesses that are in that, that bucket and that freelancer bucket to support your business. And that's going to be possibly the makeup of your team. Yeah. I think that's a way of, I, I'm, since this topic is really how do small businesses grow their teams? And I think it's a combination of, you know, your core employees that are performing, you know, whatever it is that your main business is providing. And the pandemic, I think, highlighted how many of us rely on freelancers. But when you think about if you need a web developer or a graphic designer for your logo or an accountant or a bookkeeper, um, you know, a content writer, a social media strategist, all of those things, if that's not within your domain, you can work with someone who's an expert. You can work with a consultant in that area and it doesn't need to be an employee of yours. Right. And that is something like I tell people a lot. They're like, I need an expert, but I don't have the budget or the amount of work to hire someone full time to get that expert level. And I always have to say, you don't need to jump to a full-time employee at that expert level. You can get that expert level knowledge in just that little chunk of time that you need for your business, whether that means a one-off project or a continuing relationship, but at a few hours a week or a few hours a month. Yeah, I, I think that that's the only way that small businesses can make it work because the overhead is significant for having an employee. And if it's not something that's core to your business, it's something that's like supplementing it. Like I said, like, an accountant or someone who's putting up your website for you or handling your e-commerce, 
that doesn't need to be an employee. And especially if you don't have full-time work, if it's not an essential part of the services that you provide, you know, you get a much higher quality expert with a few hours a week over you trying to train and manage an employee whom you can't pay as much. Right. Exactly. So one of the things I want to talk about with you is a lot of people then try to grow their teams with this, this freelancer atmosphere, this having this team of independent contractors. And I feel like where I see a lot of people get stuck or possibly then try to do things that they shouldn't be per EEOC and IRS rules is they really want to create this, this full team culture between every person who does something, something for them. So -hmm. they want to have weekly team meetings just to build relationships or get everybody together to talk about like the big vision, even if like that big vision only doesn't really tie to that particular role at this point in time. And I know a lot of times I have to say, it's like, okay, well, are you trying to treat your team of freelancers like a team of employees? Let's make sure that we're not crossing any lines that are going to be expensive to cross. So what is your take on that? Like, how do you create, I guess, a good business where you're using a team of freelancers and you still feel like everyone has, I don't know how this, everyone feels like they have a stake in your business. So they care about your business and you have that kind of, you feel you have the right support versus like, oh, here's just this company that I work with who does work for me. Right. I, I think when it comes down to the classification of employee versus a contractor, you really need to be looking at level of control. So when you want to have that team meeting, are you having that conversation with the freelancer for saying, you're my client, here are my goals for this business, and here's where your services fit in, versus you saying to this person who you're claiming is a freelancer, this is the environment that we have, and you're a part of this team. We're going to be working together, um, and you know this is this is how we operate. It, it seems like, you know, it's not a black and white distinction, but it it all comes down to degrees. It's the right. level of control that they have. So if you're trying to create that kind of team environment, I mean, we work with fantastic. Uh, freelancers, fantastic businesses where we talk about our vision, you know, and in, in the meetings, it's not like you can't, you know, have casual conversations about, you know, like let's build rapport. Let's, that's what you do in networking. That's how you work with other businesses. So I don't think that you need to be afraid of um, discussing your mission or your vision and feeling like, okay, well then that person's automatically an employee. But you have to understand that with a freelancer, they're running their own business. So that conversation right. needs to be about, you know, what, what services do I need? Are we aligned? Are we able to collaborate together? Um, but I don't control what you do. I don't set your hours. Um, and you choose the projects that you want to work on. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's very, very important to think about it that way. And that's one thing I like I tell people a lot of the times is, okay, when you hire someone as an independent contractor, they're they're a freelancer doing work for your business. You have to remember to treat them 
like you would want your clients to treat you? You know, Mm -hmm. would you want your clients to come in and dictate all this and really be in control of your business? And they're always like, well, no, they're my clients. I'm not a part of like, even if they're in the B2B space, I'm not a like really a part part of their business. We just have this different level of relationship. And I'm like, okay, well, remember that for when you're hiring contractors and freelancers that yes, you can have this connection. You can be attached in like vision and mission. And they really want to support your business because they want that relationship to continue. They want to do good work for you, but it's just a little bit different than if it was an employee. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Either get into the mindset that you're the client of this worker or really think of it as you're a small business working with a very small business because that's what the freelancer is. I mean, they are the ultimate micro business. <laughs> they are that right. one. <laughs> yep. It's just because they're a business of one yeah. doesn't mean they're not a business. They are still a business and that's super, super important to remember. Yeah. And it's not uncommon that you work with someone who's just fantastic and it just makes more sense for eventually that relationship to evolve. And they can say, you know, I'm, I'm done with working for myself you know, I want to join your team. That transition happens very frequently. But ultimately, when you think about, you know, the growth of your team and what you're trying to do to kind of build that vision, just think about it as collaborating with another small business. Yes. And you just said something really important that I want to go back and talk a little bit more about is because this is something that I feel like people bring up all the time. It's I've been working with this amazing person in this independent contractor status. I want them to be a part of my team. And there's people out there that are just going to assume that this person's willing to give up everything and join their team. And that's what their vision is. That's what their plan is. And then they get upset when that person says no. And it's like having to tell people, well, they're a business owner. They're running their own business. They possibly have other clients. You're only one of their clients. They have a right to make that. You don't own them. You're not in control. Like, so they can make that decision. But then on the flip side, there's a lot of people that say, but they run their own business. They're a contractor. They're never going to want to come on as an employee of mine. And I always had to tell people, ask anyway. Running a business, you know, is hard. It's a lot of work. And some people would love the opportunity to give that up and go work for someone that they already have a good relationship with. They already know what type of work you want, you know, what type of boss you're most likely going to be, even though that dynamic is a little different once they're employee versus a contractor, you've already started building that relationship. And some people are going to say yes. And I always say, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no, but it's better to ask and then versus end the relationship. And then you lost out on it. I think the inverse is also true. Let's say you're working with someone great. You have a wonderful employee, but the person wants to go out on their own and wants, you know, maybe you don't have full-time work for them and you want to take them on as a consultant. You can also make that transition in the other direction because the reason why people like working for themselves, you know, like all of us here, we get to set our own schedules. We have that flexibility. We have that freedom. It's also a ton of work. So sometimes in your life, that makes sense. And other times it may not. What I think you need to do is recognize that we all want that flexibility and freedom. And what does that look like for your business in working with someone else? And I think it's really funny to think of the idea that someone would immediately want to switch to becoming your employee. Because think about it 
once again, if you're in the mindset of you're working with another micro business, do you just assume that every business you work with wants to merge with you? <laughs> right. You really, I mean, that's not how all these relationships work. And it doesn't mean that you can't maintain a very long-term relationship with your consultants or with, you know, your accountant or your web developer. Um, you know, they can take on projects as they see fit. It can be a great part of your business. I mean, the best small businesses, you know, they spend a long time having their other, you know, channel partners in their relationship. They never have to merge to make that work. You know, they can have their different missions and everyone can continue to grow. Yeah. And I feel like that is such an interesting way of thinking about it. Like when you say merging, it's almost like, yeah, are you going to go out and acquire like all these businesses, merge them together? And it's like, once you think about it that way, it's like, it really solidifies they are their own business. And yeah. yep, people give up on their businesses every day. They might want to come work with you full time. But yeah, if you think about it that way, they are their own business, their own entity that kind of you're merging things together when they're coming to join you. Yeah. And, you know, think about why someone might be, you know, an independent consultant right now, as opposed to someone's employee. It could be the lifestyle, but it also could be the mission of the work that they do. And even if your vision of your business is very similar, it might not be the same. So are you better off just collaborating together and, you know, really utilizing everyone's best skills and greatest interests. Right. And it's interesting kind of like what you're saying is a lot of people, like they run their own business for the flexibility. They don't really want the tie down like of a corporate job. And um, now I'm looking back to see what episode at number it was, but uh, Laura Tolhook, who was on episode 46, she runs an HR business out of Canada. And she runs her business. She started her business because she wanted more of that flexibility, that more of a control. She didn't want the, the restrictions of a corporate job. So she started her own business. She is pushing that forward when she goes and hires. Like her model of how she's hiring and who she's hiring is really around. She wants employees for these positions, but allowing people more of that flexibility, that ability to go and say, okay, you have this expertise. Well, we're going to hire people with this great expertise on a part-time basis, because we know the people that they're going out to look for to hire, they want those part-time flexible roles, but they don't want to give up on everything they went to school for this entire corporate career that they're making, but they just want something that balances their personal needs and family needs. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. So in terms of flexibility, there's no reason why you can't give your employees lots of flexibility in the way that they work or the hours that they have. There's nothing that keeps you from doing that. What we do know is, you know, small business owners as just business owners in general, that um, being able to have control over your schedule, um, but also on the work that you do and what has meaning for you, that that's really what makes this whole thing beautiful, right? Like that's, right. that's, that's our passion because, you know, we're the only people who will, you know, give up a 40 hour work week to work a hundred hours for ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to start and run a business. And that it does. And when you think about flexibility, you don't exactly feel like it's flexible on a Saturday when you're the only one who can do the job. <laughs> right. Yep. And you're on a deadline. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit about just creating these good relationships. And mm-hmm. I know, yes, as we're talking about, it's different whether your team is a team of employees, but a team in a team of contractors and freelancers, but neither way you might be building these, these remote teams. So what tips do you have to effectively run and work with remote people who are not in your office and especially yeah. people that you don't have control over when they work, where they work and all that good stuff. Well, a lot of us have had to learn this on the fly over the past year. Um, right. And, you know, what's great is our team internally has been remote from the outset. Um, that gave us the opportunity to work with engineers all over the world. You know, that's fantastic for us. That gives us that, that freedom. But it also uh, requires a lot of communication. And the smaller the team, and particularly if you're working with a freelancer who may have multiple projects, you really need to be very clear on timelines, on expectations of, you know, here are the deliverables. This is when um, I expect to see it. This is what it should look like. I, I mean, it all comes down in my mind to very clear communication. I also think check-ins are great. So what's common in, um, you know, the, the software development world are doing things in what are called sprints and, um, you know, they check in in the mornings with the team and you only check in for five, 10 minutes, but everyone's, you know, touching base and you discuss, you know, here are the blockers that I have. This is when I expect to get it done. Um, so that that way everyone is on board and then you can all work independently the rest of the day. Um, a lot of people use Slack. I'm not a fan of Slack, but I think I'm like stuck on it. Um, And the only reason why I'm not is I'm not the type of person who can separate very well. And so my watch will go off or my, my phone will go off and it's the middle of the night and I'm eager to check it. If you are really good at that, like asynchronous conversation, then I think it's perfect for you. And it's a great way of like tracking for a team. But I think whatever you use, there are just so many different like project management communication tools out at the moment. Find one that works for everyone. Because if you have a person who sets themselves on Slack to, you know, pause notifications for the day, then you're probably not going to get a hold of them. Right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so then it all comes down once again to just like really clear communication. Yeah. And I think some of those things, it's, it's good for employees or any team member to be able to say, okay, I need time to focus. I need to turn off this set of notifications, but building in, if it's an emergency, how do people get in hold of you with that? I know when I was in, in corporate, some of our team members and everything would say, okay, I really need to focus on this. So I'm not going to be looking at my email. And I'm not going to answer a phone call on the first ring where they would tell that their counterparts that they work with frequently. If you absolutely need to get a hold of me, call me, hang up, wait five to 10 seconds and call again. So that way I know if you're calling for the second time, I need to answer the phone and mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to ignore it and I'll listen to the voicemail when I'm done. And then I will call you back or I'll read the email when I'm done and I will respond. So kind of like building in some of those things where if you're having those relationships where there could be emergency things, how do you get around it when someone turns off their notifications because they really need to concentrate? Yeah, I think 
the other part of this is trust, right? So I had a very interesting experience when I was um, practicing law in Washington, DC. I worked at a federal employees union and represented a number of agencies as they were for the first time trying to implement telework. And the, you know, the agencies wanted to put cameras on everyone's computer and have a way of being able to monitor them at all times. And we of course objected because you know, that, that's terrifying. Like, is your boss just sitting outside your window of your office alternatively? Like, no, I mean, it was creepy, but it was because there wasn't trust built in. And I think when we're in this remote world now, you just need to trust that your employees are not, you know, drinking a bottle of wine at their desk or, um, you know, doing errands when they're expected to be working on a project. You really do have to trust your team. And one way of building that in instead of just trying to micromanage or call them all the time um, and disrupt their work is focus on the execution. So some of them, you know, some people are really, really efficient workers. Don't blame someone who gets a project done, you know, 10 times as fast, but they're not like sitting in, you know, at their desk saying, oh my God, I have so much work I have to do today. That's not valuable for you. You know, focus on what has been produced. Did they end up getting it done in half the time? Good for them. You know, that that's not a problem for you. And that that's what allows them to have flexibility in their lives. And of course, you have other people who love to work on that deadline. And so you're going to get that, you know, response at one in the morning. So long as that worked with your schedule and, you know, you had the materials you needed, let people have that, like build that trust with them that they're going to get the project done. Yeah. And of course, if they don't, then, then the, you can have consequences. Right. I know. Oh gosh, this was, I feel like forever ago, I was talking to someone and they're like, my employees always on their phone or looking for text messages or texting someone else. So I feel like I need to put in this like really strict phone policy. And I was like, and we, we approached it. I was like, you don't want to come off as this, this business that it's like, you can't touch your phone like this and that. And it was because they're like, this is the only time, the only place you can touch your phone. And I was just like, that's not going to create that culture that you want. You want this. You, you say like work-life balance is one of things, important things about your culture. Well, what does this tell your employees about work-life balance? Nothing in your personal life can matter when you're on the clock. Mm -hmm. And so the conversation we had around that is what is happening because they're looking at their phone? how is their work being impacted? And we talked about the like, okay, well, they're missing some deadlines. They're not seeing things that are coming through. And I was like, that is where we focus. We right. focus and have conversations around what's not happening, the, the output, the, how it's impacting their work. We don't go and address the phone thing right away. We talk about how their work needs to improve. They need to be more on top of their deadlines or whatever it is in that case. And that if it continues to be a problem, we have the conversations more around like, okay, well, what is stopping you from achieving this goal that we're setting, from getting the work output that is needed? And then we could say, well, Mike, one of the things might be that you're on your phone all the time. And then it's like helping them realize that being on the phone is impacting the output versus you just trying to control when they're on their phone. Yeah, I think there are two things there. Um, to that specific point of you know, growing your team and really creating a good company culture. 
also try to figure out why the employee might need to be on their phone all the time. Yeah. You know, is there a childcare issue? Are they going through something difficult in their lives where, you know, maybe letting them work from home, they wouldn't have to be on the phone all the time or providing them another mode of communication. Maybe you're not letting them, you know, just have like Gchat open where if there was a, you know, conversation that needed to be happening that they could address that while they're still on their computer and not getting that total separation. So one, you know, once again, communication. But the other big part of being a small business owner is we juggle so many different things. Trying to micromanage an employee is the biggest waste of your time. Yes. If someone is not producing what you need them to produce, then you address that, right? But other people's behaviors, trying to monitor how much people use their phone, how often are they taking bathroom breaks? Like that's not why you got into your business. And if it's not hurting your business, don't worry about it. And if it is affecting your business, focus on exactly as you said, you know, what is the output and then what are the issues that are leading to it? And how can right. you as a leader, you know, demonstrate the type of behaviors and, you know, acknowledging that these are people, um, you know, what can you do to create an environment where the employee can come forward and explain why they're missing deadlines? You know, maybe you gave them too much work on top of the fact that they just play on their phone all the time. Um, right. Or maybe they can't do the job. You know, there's a lot of, not everyone is up to a task. And yeah. so, you know, just dig in a little bit deeper on some of those underlying issues and focus on what you need for your business, but absolutely do not get into the realm of micromanaging. It is tedious and makes everyone miserable. Right. And one of the things I talk about all the time, it creates this cycle. If you're micromanaging your employees and team members so much, they learn that they can't do anything or shouldn't do anything without you. So yeah. then they wait for your direction for you to hold their hand to the next step. And then you get frustrated because you're like, why can't they do anything without me? I need to hold their hands because if I don't hold their hands, they don't move forward. And you create this cycle of they won't move forward without you and, and everything. And it's just, it's both sides are frustrated and neither yeah. side likes it. Neither side enjoys micromanaging. <laughs> totally. I mean, talk about a way of killing initiative. If someone thinks that they can't check their phone at periods of time or that you're going to be overlooking their emails for you know, grammatical errors, then they're not going to try to take some control and ownership in your business. Instead, they're gonna see themselves as subservient and that's not a good environment for anyone. They're gonna get more frustrated. Often that's the point at which a worker basically says like, I'm going to start looking for other jobs. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's so demotivating to do something like that. And you as an employer, it becomes demotivating because then you're so focused on personalities and trying to manage people. You're not running your business. Exactly. And when you're a small business, you don't have time. As, as, you're as you've said over and over again, you yeah. don't have time. Yeah. You hire people, not because you just have all this extra money that you want to throw around. Typically it's because you're lacking time to do it yourself. So don't just replace the time that you would have taken to do the work 
to micromanage the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, I came from the mindset of, you know, I was that student in class in a group project that I would just do the whole thing because it was easier for me to just get it done than it was to delegate. That was a bad lesson to have learned at a young age um, and something I try to undo all the time where, you know, you really have to trust your team and be able to delegate tasks. And if someone isn't up to it, then they're not a good employee. And then you can move on from that engagement. But for sure, spending your time, you know, spending your resources, delegating something, and then trying to make sure it's done exactly the way you want it to be done and not giving that freedom or that ability for the worker to accomplish something that that's hurting everyone. And really that's, that's not going to advance you at all. Right. All right. So I want to completely switch subjects for a little bit, but before we run out of time, I have something that I want to ask you about. Uh So with your company, you developed, you have an app. So obviously when apps and stuff are being created, sometimes they're very time intensive upfront. And then it, sometimes they can become less time intensive depending on the updates and everything that you're putting out. When you created your team to develop that app, did you have a different team that was your launch team to get it up and running versus now to continue maintaining and improving the app? That's a great question. So I am not an engineer by training. So I coded the initial prototype, but I was not going to be the engineer for this. So in building and developing the app, we did largely use an outsourced team um, in addition to some internal resources. As we headed towards the launch, we brought in more people internally as opposed to just using outside developers. And the reason for that is, you know, once you have the product done, it's never done, you know, it's just launched. So you're constantly having to iterate. Once you have real live users, you have to make all these little tiny adjustments, sometimes major adjustments. Um, you know, we started mobile, we're eventually gonna be on the web and we, we do features currently on the web. Um, so that's required to do more internal resources there. So that was a shift for us. Um, you know, we were largely using contractors. Internally, we used a mix of contractors and employees and then gradually have moved more towards internal employees. Right. And you said that you developed the initial prototype. So you actually got experience with the code hands-on? Yeah, very. So to the extent that I love to dive into something and understand what I don't understand, that's accurate. Um, (laughs) But I don't want to give anyone the impression that I suddenly like, I learned how to do become like a full stack engineer. Instead, I coded it in like PHP and had a, you know, a good amount of help from others to even understand what I was doing. But it gave me a picture of what I really didn't know. Right. <laughs> and that maybe being a philosophy major in college didn't help me. <laughs> right. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we uh, talked about this when we uh, first met, but when I left my corporate job, it was because my husband and I were starting a software development company. So I spent six months teaching myself how to code yeah. and then realized I hated it. And there was no way I was making a business around it. So well, it was, it was really, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it certainly hats off to folks who can dive in and really become experts. 
What I do love is that there are a lot of things that are low code now is what they call it. Um, and so that's stuff on our website that I can manage myself. You know, it's like a much easier to use database. Um, and I think that as, you know, small business owners, like we said about, you know, dele delegating tasks at certain times, that makes sense. Other times it might be easier for you at least to have enough information to be dangerous so that if something happens, you're not totally dependent on someone else. Right. Yeah. And I would say those six months I spent learning code, it was mostly on front end stuff. So the CSS, yeah. a little bit of JavaScript, some of the HTML. So when it comes to the front end of my website, I can dive in and make changes that are needed. And it's like, okay, I love the fact that I have that knowledge. It definitely helps out. But yeah, it's not something that I'd be wanting to do all day, every day. And hats off to the people who do want to do that. Like my husband, that is his career. He is a software developer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I mean, I think it's really important for us to at least have a good understanding of whatever products you have, whatever services you have, even if you aren't the one making them, you should know how things work, right? Yep. Because then you're able to work with your team and really understand what it takes to make the thing that you want to have happen. Um, you know, you don't expect uh, a business owner to be able to do every single job of every single worker there. Exactly. But you do want to be able to know enough so that you can fire yourself at some point and recognize when it's a good hire or when, yep. or when you needed to take in a good consultant because you either didn't want to do the task or you weren't up to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so important. Like you need to know enough. So if you know, know if someone is doing a good job and doing what you hired them to do, like that doesn't mean you need to know how to do everything yourself, especially at the level that is needed and for your company to succeed in that area. But yes, you do need to know what is going on. And I feel like uh, for a really good example of that, like one of the companies that my husband worked for, they were, they were always used to like outsourcing their IT and they decided to bring on their own IT department. Mm -hmm. And there was always the, the owner of the company didn't actually understand the development process or how much time it actually takes to develop stuff. And there was always be these battles of them being like the owner being like, okay, well, I want X, Y, Z. And they're like, okay, that's going to take this amount of time to develop with our team of three people. And he'd be like, no, I want it. You can't tell me it's going to take a year to develop that. I want it in a month. And they're like, it's, it's no way it can take a month. Like we would, could work around the clock and still not be done in a month. And cause he didn't know enough about coding and de software development to understand the actual timeframes. And it just led to a very negative environment where they felt like they were always having to battle instead mm -hmm. of actually just do their job that they were really skilled to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, I, I think that we forget that not only people who are outside of our expertise or domains, you know, how they operate, but also you do need to be able to, once again, really trust them. So if you have a very small team, you can only expect that small team to get X amount done. And some projects, you know, it's, it's like a baby, no matter how many people you put involved, involved or how much food you give the woman, she's still going to take nine months, right? right. <laughs> you know, there's, some projects take however long they're going to take. And if, you know, you're trying to run a very lean team, things will inevitably take longer. 
but you may end up with a better product. And if, you know, in that situation where they were outsourcing and then decided to just bring in three engineers, probably at that point, the decision should have been, okay, so what are these discrete tasks that are gonna take you a lot longer? Like, did they need someone who was going to be, um, you know, like a lower level engineer who could do some of the like audit work or do something like that while they were building the product, mm -hmm. right? So you can outsource certain uh, responsibilities so that you're not having to do all of it. Yep. And I know that's like some of the things that they kept trying to say. It's like, okay, you want it done in that time. We need to add this to the team. And you know, it, the owner didn't want that either. Cause it's like, no, you are my team, figure it out. And they're like, oh, we can't, but yeah. All right. So before we wrap up today, let's circle back to the, uh, the freelancers, the contractors growing your team that way as business owners, or, or for those of us who currently were business owners, but we know other people that are looking maybe to get into the freelance area, are there any trends in the workforce or in the freelance area that we should be aware of to really set us up for success in 2021? Yeah, so there are a number of things. Um, so vast majority of small businesses do work with freelancers. And they're primarily ones who are in certain skills. So um, I think I had the percentage down, but it's like 45% of freelancers are doing the programming, marketing, or consulting services for a small business, right? So um, in terms of the types of folks that you might want to be looking for, let's say you just moved your small business online. You don't need to take in that engineer. You know, maybe probably what happened with that company is they didn't need their own engineering team. What they needed was someone to help them with particular projects. So I think the real trend that's been happening is that we're recognizing that our work can be a little bit more project-based and that we can collaborate with people from all over the world. Um, and because of that flexibility kind of built in, um, there are opportunities to be, you know, working with web designers and bookkeepers and, um, you know, marketers that aren't, you know, in your backyard. So I think that that's like the biggest trend. And I, this was happening before the pandemic, you know, we were moving towards distributed work for a long time. But now that a lot of workplaces that thought they could never work remotely, they suddenly did this past year. I think we're going to continue to see more and more people going out on their own because they realize, hey, I work really well remotely and I like having control of my day-to-day -day, and I'm really good at this particular service. And why not offer that for 15, 20 hours to a business as opposed to trying to make a full-time job out of a position that just wasn't full-time in the first place. So I think that's the biggest trend that we're really seeing is people taking a little bit more ownership of their work and businesses recognizing that they can work with anyone. So why do they need to have a full staff um, trying to kind of fill their day with tasks when you really could have like real projects that you want to get accomplished? Yes. Love that. All right, Eve, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So our website is uh, www.soulventure.com. We are on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. 
Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. Um, I think I personally tweet more than our sole venture account does. So I'm Eve E. Epstein on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in downloading our app, we're in both the Apple Store and um, Android. So in Google Play. So you're able to access us either way. We're great for if you are working with freelancers and um, they're looking to incorporate, get access to their health insurance and other benefits, manage their invoices and quarterly taxes. They can do it all in a single app. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right. So last question that I always like to wrap up with, we have all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think mm-hmm. of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? So I love that you asked this question. Um, there are actually two leaders um, who were doing very similar things for me at an early point in my career. So my first and second summers in law school, um, I had a manager my first summer, her name was Kathy Kelly. And um, the second summer was Tim Beeson. And they really are what inspired me in my career. They gave me that total freedom to kind of think through what are the parts of work that you do or don't like. So as I was going to become a lawyer, I was in law school. They really taught me to uh, appreciate what are the parts of the work I enjoy? What are the parts that I don't before I got overly specialized in a particular area of law? And that actually is what brought me into becoming a trial attorney at first, as opposed to the work that I was doing with them. They were the ones who actually encouraged me to explore other areas of law, what I liked about working with clients, what I liked about not doing billable hours. Um, So they were really inspiring in that way of giving me that freedom to explore. And that's what I do now when I work with any new employee or an intern in particular. I ask them like, what are your goals for this job? You know, what are you trying to achieve here? And so we can focus on projects that are of interest to them and give them that flexibility to kind of build out what their career trajectory should look like. Right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today, Eve. It was so great talking to you and thank you for coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Do you have questions about anything discussed in today's episode? Or do you have other questions related to hiring and managing your team? Then I invite you to join us over in the Growing Your Team Facebook community. The group is designed to provide you support as you grow and manage the team who will save you time and earn both you and your business more. So come on over and join us in the Growing Your Team Facebook group and let's grow you the team that you need and deserve. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.